Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Folks, this is another best of episode of the DealQuest podcast, and I'm so excited to uh, have three of our prior guests, excerpts of their episodes uh, that are all under the category of the best of building better deals. And I particularly pull these out because they are some things that um, you may or may not think about. Uh, I mean, one, definitely the middle one with, with Henry Doss going to be talking a lot about risk and some mistakes and things that he learned. You know, that's certainly a factor that people take into account in risk. Um, but with Stephanie Schiller, um, we are going to actually talk about sales. Now, how do sales have to do with deals? Well, you know, we're going to talk about the need for that and how maybe doing deals before you establish, you know, sales and things like that uh, to get the fundamental business going may not be a good idea and how sales can actually enhance deals. Uh, and then another way we build better deals is actually marketing and branding. Well, wait a second. Isn't that organic growth, Corey? Isn't that non-deal driven growth? Well, Sometimes you're marketing and branding to get sales, to get customers, to get clients, but there's also marketing and branding that relates to deals. And Mark Gordon, uh, his excerpt is going to talk about that, and he's going to talk about something called corporate staging, which is a really interesting concept. So we pulled these clips from actually an 11-episode block from 70 to 81. So Stephanie Schiller was episode 70. Uh, Mark Gordon was episode 71, Henry Doss was episode 81. They just happen to all come in and they sort of fit nicely together and then they talk about different topics because they're just certain elements of building better deals or another way, way to look at it is, um, they, you know, they all talk about what happens if you don't do some of these things, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, building up some sales first or uh, making sure you uh, mitigate risk or, uh, you know, not doing the proper branding or marketing in anticipation of a deal. So the other way to look at it is, well, what are some of the mistakes you can make on some areas that you may think of, some areas you may not think of in terms of making your deals better? Um, so folks, definitely uh, check out this episode uh, and then go back and listen to the full episodes from each of these folks because we're only giving you a little piece and each of these episodes were really, really phenomenal. So with that, let's jump into our excerpt of, from episode 70 with Stephanie Schella. Here it goes. So primarily we're working with small business owners who are under the $20 million mark. Um, usually they're dealing with, you know, usually 50 or less employees. Uh, we have a couple of people that, you know, come to our events that are, you know, have a hundred or a couple hundred, but usually they're, they're, you know, they're under, under 20 million usually. And they are the, the small business owner is still in there wearing multiple hats. A lot of times they are the head of marketing. They're the head of sales. They are the GM, they are, you know, so, so these guys are usually they're in growth mode, like they're growing their business, they're doing well, but they also understand that, you know, three, 5% growth 
is okay, but you know, they really want to get to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred percent growth, yes. right? They're looking to accelerate and shorten that learning curve and uncover problems they don't even know they have. Cause we deal with that a, a lot in small business where you've got a problem that's holding you back in your business. You don't even know what the, like that, that problem exists. You know, I use the example that I just uncovered recently. So I play the violin, one of my hobbies. And, um, for the past few weeks, I've been, you know, freaking out about my bow and I keep tightening the hairs because as you play this one note called staccato, it's a short, quick note. And I kept hitting multiple strings and it was driving me nuts. And so I kept tightening my bow and tightening my bow. And finally, my instructor pointed out, he said, you know, Stephanie, the reason you're hitting multiple strings is because your elbow is in the wrong place. Like you're looking at, you're trying to fix the wrong thing. <laughs> right, right. And we do this so often in business. And so these are the guys who are going, I know there's issues I have that I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. I, I need that help. And I really want to create, like I'm committed to growth. We're already growing, but I want to shorten the learning curve and, and eliminate some of that pain. I love it. So, you know, obviously one of the things I always talk about is that, uh, you know, unless you are like a uh, VC funded roll-up firm and the whole business model is that you're just out there buying companies, 99% of the companies out there you know, who I encourage to look at doing deals first need to make sure that they can sell and market a product or a service yeah. and, and have a fundamental core business that there's something to build, you know, deals upon. So yeah, talk a little bit about what you do there and then, and then how that sometimes uh, does, you know, uh, tie into or relate to, how, you know, people doing deals uh, over and above the, the fundamental sales and marketing growth. Yeah. Well, so I, I completely agree. And I think way too many times, you've got people who are looking, trying to cut deals in order to get sales and marketing going, right? So when I was getting the business going, there were so many people who were reaching out. We should do a J, we should do a JV. We should do a JV. We should do a joint venture. We should partner. We should partner. But you know, they're not getting any sales. And I was, you know, fighting my butt off to get some sales going. I only had so much to bring to the table. And I did a couple of those before I started to realize they were just a waste of time and energy. Like I wasn't getting anything out of it. They weren't getting anything out of it. And so like, you have to have this fundamental level of, I have a product or a service that is appropriately priced, right? I got to make sure that I am actually making money. I was talking about this with a group I was working with earlier today. I was like, you have to be priced because you as the business owner, if you're working inside the business, you need to take a paycheck, but you're the owner of the business, which means you also should be getting a profit distribution. This isn't an either or. And simultaneously, if you're paying, like you have to be able to have enough money coming in to pay someone else to actually do the work. Otherwise you don't have a scalable business. So your business has to be priced correctly. You got to have some sales coming. Once you get those two things sorted and and you develop the sales skills, then you can start to build some marketing and some brand recognition, right? And start to actually put out content that's designed to draw people into your website or to your conversion points, right? Whatever those conversion points are, they may just be people reaching out to you. But having that stability, what it does, you know, I think one of the keys to deal making is that you can't be negotiating from a place of desperation. And when you're just trying to get sales going, like that's, it doesn't work. If you're desperate for the deal to go through so that you can, you know, this deal is going to save your business, you're going to end up getting a deal that's not in your best interest. So getting yourself with a stable sales funnel, knowing you've got sales coming in consistently, and then using marketing to drive leads into that funnel, then allows you the space to really negotiate and make deals from a place of power. I love that. And, and I totally believe in that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I talk about in my negotiating book. You know, as if you're sure you're, if you're in a place of scarcity or desperation or fear or any of those good things, mm. you're not going to be in a strong place. So, yeah, yeah, that is, I think that's right on, Steph. So, folks, I, I hope and, and think that you found value in Stephanie's discussion about 
you know, maybe the way she looked to do certain deals a little too early when really, you know, she and the other people had nothing to bring to the table and how, you know, maybe you need to, you know, get something to bring to the table before you have value that you can bring to the deal table. And then you can use deals to further your growth in your business. You know, with that, we're going to transition over to Henry Doss, episode 81. Uh, Henry's a good entrepreneurs organization, you know, friend of mine for many, many, many years. He's a, he's a phenomenal entrepreneur. This particular segment focuses on the conversation of risk and some early mistakes he made in terms of not understanding or mitigating or, uh, you know, uh, even considering certain risks and deals. Uh, it's very informative, but I got to tell you, Henry brings a lot more to the table on the other part of his episode on 81. So definitely check it out in full after you listen to this excerpt from Henry Das. All right. Number one, I deluded myself into thinking, and this is really the number one. And this is the number one thing that I talk about when it comes to money or entrepreneurship or anything yeah. is risk. I thought I had covered my, you know what, in terms of risk. I hadn't at all. I didn't put proper fiscal controls in. I let, I let him control the books. Mm -hmm. uh, I never asked to audit those or do anything. I'll tell you a funny thing. We were raising a few million bucks and we're at the bank at the closing and the woman sticks the forms, you know, the, you know, those legal size forms, the uniform lending, whatever thing, all yep. that stuff that you have to fill out when you apply for a mortgage. Yep. Yep. Well, we never, we, we didn't do any of that. She handed it to me at the closing. I'm mm. like, what is this? She goes, well, we just need it for our records. I'm like, I don't have any of this information. She said, don't worry about it. Just like sign it here, sign it here, blah, blah, blah. It'll, it'll all be good. That should have been, I immediately should have gotten up and ran from the hills because that shows you how risk blind the banks were at the time. Yeah. This is now, that was probably in 2005 or 2006. And it only got worse from there. So risk, number one, look under every rock to figure out where the risks are on any deal. Because a lot of folks can come back and, tell, and give you chapter and verse on the return, you know, the ROI, oh, the ROI is this and the ROI is that. But if you can't give it to me risk adjusted, right? So what's the risk involved with it? Uh, then it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. That's the number one. And there's probably a whole bunch of others. Always have a really good seasoned attorney <laughs> at your beck and call who knows this stuff and understand that there are rules. The courts are very strict and very stringent about the timeliness of your reply. Apparently what happened what, that we found out after the fact is uh, the judge just simply didn't like that the bank was so lackadaisical about how they were treating this, mm. right? And he read them. In fact, what he did was he, a month after he gave me this get out of jail free card, he rescinded his order. So my attorney got a call from the attorney for the bank and said, what did you do? And our lawyer said, what do you mean? What did we do? He said, they pulled the, um, you know, the right to foreclose. It's like, we didn't do anything, dude. We're done. Right. Yeah. And he held them out for a whole year. In the meantime, the market collapsed even further. So they ended right. up selling the property on the bank steps and they, they basically bought it back from themselves. Right. And I was happy to wash my hands of it at that point. So folks, listen, if Henry didn't give you enough pause or <laughs> worry to make sure you check out, uh, you know, and, and investigate uh, risk factors when you're doing a deal, well, then, you know, I don't know what will. And, and listen, here's the interesting part. Unlike a lot of attorneys, I don't only focus on risk and I don't want you to get the impression that Henry does either. It's certainly a factor. Obviously, you know, I think I've talked about this many times, how some of my colleagues as attorneys over-focus only on the bad side, only on the risk. 
right? Because that's what we learned about in law school. Um, but you have to balance that against the, the opportunity, right? They're always looking at the opportunity versus the risk. But listen, it is a good lesson to watch out for those risk factors, especially when you're new to, to doing deals and you may not realize the level of due diligence and other things that you need to do to protect yourself. With that, we're going to move over to Mark Gordon, episode 71. Definitely check out his full episode as well. Uh, you know, Mark's a marketing and branding guy. And, you know, you might say, hey, what does that have to do with deals? And this concept that he brings up of corporate staging and how you get ready to position yourself to look the best you can all right, for a deal, which affects things like valuation and ability to get deals done and the impression of potential buyers or other deal partners is super, super important. So check out Mark Gordon coming up now. Well, one thing I've sort of gone into more over the last couple of years is, is what I've referred to as corporate staging. And it's interesting in the fact that you'll have a company that either is looking for opportunities to merge with another company, or they're looking to be bought out or get uh, some, some venture capitalist money. And they've got a great product or service. The numbers are good. The problem is the way they present themselves, their brand identity, be it offline or online, might be a total disaster. And we live in a world now where when you hear a company's name mentioned, the first thing you do is you Google them. You go online, you check them out, and you see their website, and you think to yourself, wow, this company is really something. They are like thought leaders, they're innovators. Or you look at them and go, how long have these guys been in business? Did these guys just open up yesterday or something? It's ridiculous. And that will have an impact on your perception of the company, even if you're a VC and you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at market share, things make sense. There's going to be that, that feeling in the pit of your stomach, that gut. And so many deals, right, are still, you know, it's your gut feeling that still influences your decision to a degree. And you got to wonder, why do these companies look so unprofessional? So what's happening is these companies are starting to realize this, that they spent the last two or three years so focused on creating that product or service that they totally left all kinds of, of marketing and branding and everything else just kind of fall by the wayside. And now they realize that they're, they're walking into a formal affair wearing jeans and a t-shirt when they should be wearing a tuxedo. So they're calling me saying, you know what? We need you to polish us up. We need you to make us look like the company that we want to be or that we believe we should be. So that seems to be a, a big thing right now I'm finding is you're getting smaller companies who don't want to look small. They want to look established. They want to look strong. They want to look like they, they own and dominate their market. And they just need a little bit of help doing that. So that's, it's, it's a nice trend that they're getting this awareness. I just wish they would give me a little more time to get them <laughs> together. <laughs> you mean, uh, you, mean uh, you have those clients too where, uh, you know, when do you need it? Yesterday? Yesterday, exactly. Yeah, you'll say, oh, we can have this done in a month. They'll say, I'll give you two days. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Star Trek episode, you know, when, when he says to Scotty, how long do you need? And Scotty says, you know, a day. He says, I'll give you an hour. Right, right. And, and Scotty would always say, no, it's impossible, Captain. But then he would always pull it off, right? He would always pull it off. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I, I can really validate that in that, you know, it, it affects a couple areas and I've seen it. You know, I've done so many deals, whether it's M&A or strategic alliances, joint ventures, or you name it, that there's two places where I definitely see it, you know, come in. You know, one of the things I always say to people is the people involved in a deal, like, the, you know, and maybe it's the CEO or some other, you know, head of acquisitions or whatever who's making the initial decision to do the deal. But then you have a bunch of people who come in, the finance people, the, the branding people, the marketing people internally at an acquirer, for example. 
and they look at, you know, what's there. And everybody, you know, to some extent, there are some of those people who are always looking for a reason not to do the deal because they're always afraid if they do a deal and something goes wrong, they're going to be blamed. So, um, you know, if your branding's not up to date, you know, at a minimum, you know, that could be a, you know, the branding people come in and do the due diligence can come in and say, hmm, you know, a lot of work here to do. These guys aren't, you know, so. And then the other thing I've seen is in negotiations, you know, which I do a lot of, you know, in valuation. Uh, the buyer, for example, if it's an M&A deal, is always looking for reasons to chip down on the valuation. And I've certainly heard them say, well, listen, your branding is totally outdated. We're going to have to spend a lot of money to update that. We got to take that into account in terms of the number we're offering. Yep, exactly. And you touched on something earlier that was also really interesting, and that being company culture. And a website is a great way for a company to illustrate its company culture. So does it want to be a, a budget-minded company? Does it want to be a forward-thinking company? Does it want to be a young, dynamic company? These are all things that it can say through its website. And when done properly, it can, it can be absolutely targeted. It can be crystal clear. So if they want to position themselves as a very young, aggressive, dynamic company, very tech-oriented, they can say that very clearly and attract the kinds of VCs or other opportunities that would be attracted to that kind of company. Yeah, no question. And, and you and I were talking a little bit in the, you know, prior to the podcast about the fact that, uh, that obviously they've got to be able to back it up, underlying it, you know, else it's going to come out. But, you know, if they truly have that there, but it's not properly presented, then they've got a problem. They, you know, you can't fake it, but a lot, of, a lot of them have it, but they don't present it well, right? Absolutely. And I've always said this to every client I've ever worked with is you have to have your ducks in a row to start with. You have to have the product, the service, you have to have that quality support. You have to have a great team. If things are weak on the inside, you know, you're just, you know what you're doing? You're basically icing a stale cake. That, that's what it is. If you got value, and I know you did, from Stephanie, Henry, and Mark, go check out their episodes. Again, Stephanie, uh, number 70, Mark, number 71, Henry, number 81 of the DealQuest podcast. Um, you know, we are uh, thrilled that they came on. There's so much more value that they brought. And, you know, listen, let's, we want to bring all aspects of not only how you get deals done and how you negotiate them and how they're structured, but all of the things around deals. You know, we've talked about on various of our episodes how you integrate deals after, you know, after things are done. We've talked about the psychology of a deal maker. Uh, we've talked about so many things that aren't sort of the hard analysis of deal structure, deal valuation, although we'll have all that as well. And I think, you know, this episode bring, brought up some really interesting things and areas that you might not think about, you know, the sales, the marketing and branding, and maybe certain aspects of risk. Uh, so I hope it's valuable to you and appreciate you listening, folks. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.